Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Aviation Spotters Podcast, episode 16. I'm your host, Colin Moser. I just want to wish everybody a happy new year. I hope everybody's Christmas, uh, if you celebrate Christmas or whatever holiday you choose to celebrate, was very was very good. And I hope everybody had a fantastic new year, ringing in 2021 and leaving 2020 in the dust. Personally, 2020 was actually sort of kind to me. Uh, I did a lot of great things, and a lot of great things happened to me. Um, and obviously, there's some shitty things that happened. I did get COVID, but hey, I'm still here. So anyway, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the episode with Sandip last episode. I honestly thought it was such an eye-opening episode and such a perspective-altering episode of how fortunate we are to be able to go out to an airport and take photos of aircraft when we feel like it. Honestly, that was one of my favorite episodes of recording because I learned so much and I love learning about that sort of stuff. But we have a great slew of guests lined up here for 2021. Real quick though, just another announcement. Guys, use those hashtags. Hashtag Aviation Spotters Podcast and hashtag AvSpottersPod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I mean, I'm looking at the hashtags. I'm really wanting you guys to use those hashtags because, that's, because it's easier for me to find those photos using those hashtags, and I can go out and I could reach to those people directly, or you directly, too. Well, anyway, you guys are here. You guys want to listen to another episode, right? Well, let's start it. Episode 16, first episode of the new year. Um... This guest has been a great friend of mine since I've started plane spotting. Uh, well, when I say that, I mean traveling up to Seattle and uh, taking photos up there. Uh, I've had a lot of great trips with this person, spotting trips. And, um, you know, I had to have him on here at some point. So from uh, Seattle, Washington, it's my pleasure to introduce my good friend, Mr. Jordan Aarons. Jordan, welcome to the show. Yeah, this is, I mean, what better way to start off 2021? Then you know, recording with some best friends and stuff, you know? We had to get you on here at some point. Um, I mean, hey, you're my one of my best friends, so... Yeah. And a uh, really great photographer in general. Oh, well, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad to be on this finally. It was great listening to all my other friends and people I have known for years come on here. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into it, dude. So, where are you from? How you got into spotting? And how long have you been doing it for? Um, so, right now, I am from... I, live in the Seattle area outside of Seattle, um, North Bend, Washington. Um, for many people that may, may know this is, yes, this is the town of Twin Peaks, the TV show. Um, originally from California, but uh, getting into spotting is kind of an interesting topic because when I was born, uh, my dad was working for United Airlines at the time as a maintenance uh, mechanic. And so naturally that gave me the flight benefits and so every summer and Christmas break and Thanksgiving break, you know, naturally any break from school, I'd go out to California and uh, go see my grandparents. And so naturally I just probably gravitated towards flying because at the time I was into trains and then we moved around a lot and then eventually there was just nowhere to go see trains like there was in California, but there was places to go see planes because the closest airport was like five miles away. Um, so I've been into aviation for quite some time. I've always enjoyed flying, always been wanting to go fly. Uh, like that's even led me to go to a 
job in the airline industry. So that's fun. Um, but I've been spotting technically since 2008. Well, I've known that you had to move around a lot as a kid. So you grew up in, born in California, and then you moved to uh, North Carolina, and then a little bit of time in Texas, and then in Washington. Is that right? Born in California, moved to Indiana outside Indianapolis, because uh, United opened up a huge maintenance space, and then unfortunately 9-11 happened. And in 2003, my dad got laid off, uh, as, with, as did many people. Um, and we eventually moved back to California, spent about six months in the Tucson area, Arizona, and then spent about six years in Greensboro, North Carolina. And then 10 years ago, moved out here, and I've been in the Seattle area ever since. Yeah, I mean, I know you moved around a lot here and there, and we've talked about a lot of that uh, yeah. stuff. And I remember we took a trip out to North Carolina, and I wanted to go up to Greensboro to attempt to take a photograph of the Samaritan's Purse DC-8, which, um, well, we didn't make it up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been to North Carolina a couple times, and it's still, I just, I like that, I like that state. I just, I don't know if I could ever move back. That's the thing. But I do like it. It's a very nice state. Um, and the spotting there is great. It is. But yeah, uh, I first actually, my first actual attempts at taking pictures of airplanes was in North Carolina. Uh, my family was so gracious. Uh, my parents, I cannot thank them enough for enabling me to have this amazing hobby. Uh, would actually take me out to the end of the runway at Greensboro and just watch, like, at the time, I, I would just be excited to see CRJ-200s, Embraer 145s from American Northwest and all the other carriers and even the occasional FedEx A300, and it was just fantastic to me, and I, and we would even make trips out to Charlotte, which is, you know, the old U.S. Airways hub. I have pictures from there where I've got the white U.S. Airways livery and the dark U.S. Airways livery. Um, I even made trips out to Raleigh. Uh, they have a great spotting deck out there. And mm -hmm. we got to see the American 777 in Chrome when they were flying Raleigh to London. And just a, overall, a, it was just a really great time to, for me to just be getting into this amazing hobby that I've had. And when I moved to Washington, it kind of went dormant. And then, uh, rather thankfully, I started my first job in high school was at the Museum of Flight. And that really just made the that just lit the fire brighter than it had ever been, and I just couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you also had to move up. You're attending Arizona State, and then you had to move back up to Seattle area, right? Yeah. So again, aviation has been so central to my life because I uh, I was actually I guess this could be one of the interesting spotting stories we talk about later, but. Uh, I was spotting at Mesa Airport because I was going to ASU Polytech, which campus, whose campus is like right next to the airport. So I was riding my bike back. Um, and unfortunately, or rather fortunately, I look at it now, um, I did end up getting hit by a car. Ended up having to tear three ligament, ligaments in my knee and needing a complete reconstructive surgery in my knee. But without that actually happening, I would not have been able to have met you because this was in 2015 so I met you in July of that year mm -hmm. um, I don't think I would have been able to get my job at uh, Delta Airlines a year and a half later in September of 2016 um, because I would still be attending Arizona State for another two to three years so 
it's just a rather, I, I guess you could say everything happens for a reason. And that's how I look at it. It's like, I would not be where I am today and have had the greatest experiences I've ever had without that happening. Man, everything does happen for a reason. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one is there's a lot of things I think about too, is, you know, I was planning to go to central Washington university at a high school. I actually went to, I ended up going to Boise state and, if I didn't go to Boise State, then I would have had the experiences that I've had. I actually probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now if I did go to uh, CWU in Ellensburg. You know, you're right. Everything does happen for a reason, and I really think you did hit it nail on the head. But uh, so real quick, before we start getting into the guts of the podcast here, yeah. um, what would you consider your home airport then? Uh, so since I work for Delta, my home airport is automatically Seattle-Tacoma. International Airport KSEA Sierra Echo Alpha uh, because that's where I work. Like I, I spend most of my time there, um, but I always enjoy seeing the planes, getting to get in the nitty gritty with them, being inside the bins, loading the baggage, and just operating them, getting views that most people don't get to see, you know, in their lifetime, and it's just great. But definitely yeah. Seattle, I would say, because it's technically my base, if you would say. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, what other hobbies do you have outside of uh, plane spotting? So, have I play video games like Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, if you want to add me on Activision, it's Speedbird2706. I try and play as much as possible, but I can't guarantee I'm always playing. Um, I also have been learning to play hockey. Uh, hockey has always been a, a kind of goal of mine to start playing, and I figured start learning as soon as possible, especially now that Seattle's getting a hockey team. And other than that, I just enjoy the outdoors. Like sometimes I'll go fishing, sometimes I'll go hiking and just overall just having a good time. I mean, I consider Seattle my second home as well. I mean, not just SeaTac, but BFI, Payne, Renton. But I mean, I've done a, you know, it's, I've learned over my years that SeaTac spotting is actually quite difficult in the afternoons. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a, there's a spot a lot of spotters use, but a couple years ago, and I think it might still be now, is you need permission from the Port of Seattle to use that spot, and technically it's an off-limit spot. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but technically I, that that area is not technically yes that a go spot, that, and you have to have no you have to have permission from the Port of Seattle to be there, and you have to write them in advance you're going to be there, so. For all you Seattle guys listening, make sure you have permission to use that spot. Because you know what spot I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that spot, that spot. And I've actually um, had have had talked to had been talked to by the Port of Seattle Police, and that is 100% authorized vehicle parking only. They will run your plates. They will take your ID, and they will ask you to leave. So I don't think it's worth it. I mean, the view is great, but unless you get that written permission beforehand. Please don't do it. It's it takes time out of the port of Seattle police time, and overall, I mean, it's just you don't want to burn the bridge with the port when they're being so willing to even let us use that spot within advance notice. Um, there are other spots to use around the airport in the afternoon. Granted, they're plain in blue sky shots, but as JDL was saying the other day or the other episode, like two or three episodes ago, is. Plain in blue sky is actually really good sometimes, and I enjoy a plain in blue sky, especially when you're considering the location. Like, you wouldn't be upset with a plain in blue sky from in and out of LAX, so why be 
upset with the plane in blue sky at Seattle Tacoma. Uh, exactly. It's like why be I be upset with the plane in blue sky here in Boise over the summertime because I can't use my spot to go get the mountains in the background because it's a hundred degrees outside and the whole shots heat haste. That and you know the state's probably burning down. <laughs> Not as bad as here though. That's true. <laughs> We'll remind the uh, listener of the of your uh, gaming tag yeah. at the end when we start plugging all you. But uh, let's start moving on to the nitty gritty. Yeah, man. So let's talk about cameras, dude. Um, what cameras have you? Uh, or we'll say what camera have you are you currently using, and what gear have you have actively used in the past? So I am going to break the internet, quote unquote, because right now I am currently using both a Nikon and a Canon. <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of minds are being blown right now. Um, but I, I just, uh, this summer, uh, for my 25th birthday, uh, my parents and I were able to buy a, uh, Nikon D500 and a 24-120 f4 lens, which is the best lens for that, uh, body, even though it's crop, uh, the full frame lens works perfectly on it, especially in the Seattle area. That's really all you would need. Um, and I know you've said this before, but the D500 is just hands down the best crop body on the market. If you're looking for a great body and you want something high end, but you don't want to break the bank, the D500 is just where it's at. I am so impressed with it. Um, and then the second one, I'm, the Canon is a old Canon 7D Mark One. So yes, it's, it's been around the block, but I, I use that with the 55 to 250, uh, cause I just, I haven't. Because of COVID and stuff, I haven't really had the resources to be able to purchase a new lens. But that doesn't mean that I still am not happy with it. I still love it. It's a durable camera. It's been through the. It's literally been through thick and thin, as you know, with all these trips we've been on. It, the shutter count is just astronomically high. <laughs> yeah. Um. In the past, uh, when I had my, um, I had a Nikon D seven thousand before I got the seven D. And I had 1855, 55 to 300. Um, and before that, I had a D5000 with a 1855 and a 70 to 300. So I've really just been kind of a Nikon guy with an experiment into Canon. And I like Canon. Canon's a great product. But especially with the low light performance and just how great I love the D500. It was just an automatic sell for me. Yeah, no, I was looking at the, I was looking at, like I said, everybody's known this who's listening to the podcast, but I was looking at D850 versus 5D4, and I just ended up going 5D4, even though I was using a Nikon before yeah. the Canon. I mean, it's been working out great for me so far, but what about lenses, though? What uh, what kind of lenses have you been using now and in the past? 24-120 right now with the D500. Like I said, that's a, that's a very great lens. Uh, 18, and it's just mainly always been kit lenses. Um, but that just doesn't bother me. Um, I guess again, one more, I guess I'm going ahead of the, the scheduled programming, but one of the things I cannot stress enough to people and you know, you know, which spotter I, I'm going to also reference here, but before that, just be comfortable with your equipment, know your limitations because I am able to get some of the best shots I've ever taken, some of the greatest shots I think I have taken, and I'm using kit lenses. Um, you know, you've seen another spotter, especially when he was here in the Pacific Northwest, Hui Du, uh, he runs exclusively kit lenses. So, 
and he just recently got a 150 to 600 but before that he was running kit lenses and his shots were still phenomenal so it's all about knowing your gear and knowing the limitations and being able to use that to your advantage yes i definitely agree with you on that especially with hui and his epic shots that he has taken up in the seattle area before he uh has went back home to vietnam definitely agree on that with with hui so let's uh <laughs> let's move yeah. on this is the question, you know, like, what is your favorite airplane and all that, yeah, but let's just kind of like, we're going to roll this one into kind of one question. So what's kind of like your favorite aircraft and, and favorite aircraft to spot? So, you know my answer with favorite aircraft. It's the GOAT 757. That aircraft is just beautiful. The lines, the engines, the noises, everything. It is, without a doubt, probably my favorite aircraft ever because, A, the memories with it, like, um, as I was telling the group chat you and I are both in earlier this week is the 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 takeoff rolls out of Orange County on a United 757 with those Pratt & Whitney 2000s just roaring away as a kid just was nirvana to me and it was just it hooked me on the 757 and especially with how great of an aircraft it is how durable and performing it is and especially with you know, seeing 757s every day, being able to work inside them, loading baggage and whatnot, and having flown on them a lot, it just, it. I, every time I see one, I just have to stop and listen to those Pratt & Whitney's purr. <laughs> uh, favorite aircraft to spot, though? Uh, that's a tough one, because I've, I've spotted many great aircraft. Uh, but the Panavera t Tornado, the Tonka, I got my first taste in 2018, and those aircraft are just so, those, those fighters are just so cool. I love them. The, swept, the sweeping wing and the two, and the dual lighting blue afterburners are just something to be witnessed. You can never go wrong with the 757, especially when we don't get any 5.7 passenger traffic here in Boise. I mean, maybe Delta might throw one in in a blue moon. Mainly we just get the FedEx 757s. It's really cool about them is they'll throw in the RB211s and the PW2000 variants just like randomly. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool to, to see. And... What about the 767? I know you've always had a soft spot for the 67. Yeah, the 6.7, well, I mean, for people who may not know, is the 757 and 767 are technically the same aircraft. Like, my dad was trained on those as one aircraft because they're the same generation family. And the 767 is pretty much a wide-body 757, or you could say... Boeing took the 767 and said, let's make a narrow body, a single aisled airplane, but all the, parts are, all the parts are the same. So I love it too, um, having flown it for multiple airlines again, just another solid aircraft, and especially now that Amazon Prime are using them, and just now that their older ones are being converted into cargo workhorses, just showing how worth they are, and the fact that they're still being produced commercially right now is just amazing. That's pretty epic to see the 7.6 is going to go on forever. I mean, it's going to go on in the capacity of the KC-46 forever, and then you know, the freighters are, God knows when the freighter line's going <laughs> to end. But, I mean, hey, you never know. They might bring the passenger one back. They can never, well, you know, make another. But we'll, and that's always been a rumor, but we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Yeah. Um, I know another thing that you've talked about, too, here and there is, um, just kind of talking about your dad real quick, is your dad did the acceptance, maintenance acceptance, on the United A320s when they first came to yes. United. Yes, uh, he, yeah, he did, he, uh, 
he did maintenance check on Airbus 801, I think 801 UA, um, and subsequently until 2003. And yeah, that's he did a lot. He used to work on their 747 FPs. He's worked on the DC-10s. When I tell you his, it, like, if you were to see his ratings and stuff maintenance-wise, you would be shocked. He's got 727 training, DC-10, MD-11, 747, all, fair, all variants. Uh, he's even got his, he's even uh, in this capacity that he's at now with Boeing, he's worked on 748s, P8s, the Max, Next Gen, 87s. He's worked it all. It's it's crazy, and he's been, and he, he enjoys it. It's just great. I was lucky enough to go on that uh, North Carolina trip. Your dad was, <clears throat> excuse me, and your dad came with us, and that was really, really cool because, well, when we were driving through middle of North Carolina at, what, 2 yeah. in the morning, something like that, uh, we were, just, you know, it was really cool just hearing him talk and all the stories that he had about this being a maintenance guy, not just only for United, but in his other jobs. Um, and that was really, really cool to talk to him about that. And um, it was that, was, that was a really, really fun trip. But yeah, your dad is, has some really cool stories. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, I, I, just had to ask, I just had to ask that because, yeah. you know, Every, like, that's kind of an aircraft that kind of everybody sees in the U.S. If they get United, they'll get a you know Airbus United eventually. Yeah, and there. it's crazy that I see him at work now, and I go, "Yeah, my dad's worked that one," and now I'm seeing it still fly. And again, some of my greatest memories were him taking me. You know, when you could take your kids to the maintenance hangar, it was just it was great. Um, and that really, uh, this bug that I cannot shake was all because of him. And it's just it's it's nice, and it's something that we can both come together over you you know as you said we took a trip to north carolina together with you um we've gone to multiple air shows um around the country and yeah it's just it's always a great time he loves the a10 he loves the b2 um and he's even seen the b2 back when it was the uh how should i say this back when the b2 wasn't as publicly released um he has a picture floating around uh, the house that he took at the 1990 Edwards Air Force Base Air Show of the B-2 in a, in its hangar with the door partially open so all you could see was the cockpit section and an American flag behind it. It's just the idea that he got to see the B-2 when it was the new thing and he's been able to see it in the past three or four years. It's just crazy. That's one airplane I still haven't seen yet in person is a B-2. Uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about really that one later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Trust me, <laughs> um, it's going to make a lot of people jealous. But anyway, before that, um, I, this question wasn't on the oh. list. What is your favorite airport to go spot at? Because you have spotted at a lot of airports, not just in yes. the U.S., but around the world. So out of all those, which has been your favorite to take photographs at? Oh, man. Uh, I honestly will have to throw it to Nellis. Um, home away from home is what I call Vegas. And people and what's funny is people at work will say oh you're going to vegas oh man you just must win it big and i go well yeah i win it big but i don't go to gamble and it just trips people up but definitely definitely nellis the uh the spotting conditions are just right most of the year obviously the summer's a little difficult um but february it's always a great trip in february and march for the two red flags it's just a great like it's kind of my way to I guess I equate, and I jokingly equate it to how the Thunder or the Blue Angels go to California to do their show prep. Well, this is my 
chance to do show prep, get away from the dreary Seattle rain for, you know, that's been raining three or four months consistently. Get some sun in, go see some friends, and just overall see some really cool jets. Because, again, Ellis is... I mean, they publish the list of who's attending, but it's always like Christmas morning waiting for that list to be uh, published. You you know exactly the feeling Colin is in the Dallas group. is like you're waiting for the list to be published, and when it's published, it's like Christmas morning. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 the correct feeling. I mean. <laughs> but I mean, that's I just Vegas in general because again, you and I have had so many great memories met so many great people in the vegas and the vegas spotting community is just as good as the seattle spotting community lots of great people down there and i i highly recommend if you do end up going to vegas for whatever reason definitely checking out the spotting scene there because it actually is fairly photographer friendly especially considering all the interesting traffic and different stuff nellis gets they've mainly been okay with people so long as they play by the rules and i know you're probably going to discuss that later at a later point with people yeah no vegas is i thought vegas was very intimidating to go spot at uh first of all like even at like this i mean like mccarran like there's not a lot of spots like hey there's a couple here and there but it looked pretty intimidating then after talking to a lot of spotters down there and all that and it's become less intimidating over time like it's actually quite accessible believe it or not just a lot of places you know you just got to make sure you're, you're playing by the rules you set up pretty well um well how about this what is your do you even have a least favorite aircraft to take photos of so yes but before i say that it's by no means their fault it's just how frequent they come into the airport i mainly spot at which um i don't think we brushed on that one quickly. I mainly do my spotting at Boeing Field, like Dave Honan. Um, that is probably the Seattle spotting location. But I just, I don't typically shoot net jets or flex jet. Um, as much as I, I would love to be able to be like a member of them or be able to have access to fly on one, uh, they just, it's, it's uh, pigeons, as the Nella spotters call them, if you know what I'm saying. They're just pigeons to me. Uh, but th not saying I won't shoot them because like Jeremy said sometimes the aircraft you think of think of as pigeons are actually the ones that you can use to practice different techniques and I've definitely been doing that like practicing panning and different shutter speed aperture combinations with those aircraft. No, Jeremy was, Jeremy was exactly right when he said that because I've been taking more photos of like SkyWest D175s and Q400s because I'm able to test my camera and the settings out at my certain locations with that yeah. so i do agree on that i completely agree i mean sometimes you know what hey it's the only thing coming in may as well get a shot of it may turn out good may turn out not but hey you'll see another one like in a couple couple yeah, hours i've always felt like you never know who might request a photo from you because you could post a photo on your social media or airliners or jet photos or whatever of an aircraft that day but a pilot for FlexJet or NetJets had flown their aircraft or the one they were flying in on and was like, hey, I really like this photo. Do you have a copy of it? And I'd like to buy it from you. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that would be a pretty silly way of losing a chance to either make a connection or make some money as a photographer uh, and just be like, nope, I didn't shoot your aircraft because I don't like it. So you never know who or what will request a photo. Um, and I guess that's why you you're saying for the show always keep those cameras ready and always keep those batteries charged it's true because at the end of the day even 
just taking pictures of Cessnas may get you a, a lap in the pattern or something because some dude likes that you're showing off his plane. Actually, the real reason I came up with that is it's a two-part <laughs> story. Uh, one, keep the cameras ready because I've always got uh, sometimes cameras ready, not just like ready to shoot, but keep the cameras ready, like have your SD cards or compact yep. flashing because it was two years ago, about a year and a half now, I had my camera to work and there's an MC-130 tearing up the pattern. I mean, we're talking full-on send. Like, he is making this thing look like a fighter jet. Like, oh, awesome. Got some time. Go over to the end of the runway. Well, get my camera out. Check. You're ready to click. And it says, no SD card in the camera. And I didn't have a spare SD card in my bag. So that's what I mean by keeping your cameras ready <laughs> it's like make sure you got your I SD remember cards in getting there. those messages the from you that was a that was a big oof Dave if, if there's ever been one for me and the batteries charged is there's been plenty of times where I've had dead batteries um, let's see LAX 2015 my battery died halfway through and I didn't have a spare one and I lit, I list a lot of cool stuff um, oh yeah, also keep keep your camera on you because uh, the one day I didn't take my camera with me to the airport and the 10 tanker DC-10 diverted to Boise uh, the first time in two years it's yeah. been the BOI. So I was like, oh, yeah, you don't have a camera with me. That's, of course, the one day came in right at sunset too. It's like, so that's why, that's why I said keep those cameras ready and those batteries charged because you really got to make sure you're going to miss some epic shots. Yeah, and I've actually had a... Not that it happened to me, but it happened to someone who I'm really close with. You know, you know, I was going to, you know, it would have been impossible to not mention him in this episode. But Josh Kaiser, really good photographer, friend of mine. We were at Girls Fly 2, uh, an event in Can held in Abbotsford, Canada. And it's about getting girls um, interested in aviation and STEM. And it's like a mini air show with a parade of planes with their static displays. And they had really good statics. They typically have good statics displays. So if, if you're in Abbotsford around that time, it's definitely worth checking out. But uh, a SAR-colored Griffin came in. And for those that don't know what the Griffin is, it is their version of a Huey. And of course, being Seattle spotters, we never see Canadian Hueys in Seattle. So this was like super rare. It lands, park at the FBO, and it's backlit. Well, they get lunch, go get their uh, go get their gas, come back, and they start taking off. And they're doing their hover checks and whatnot. And we're shooting it because it's great and the lights changed. And then all of a sudden, as he lifts off and goes over us, I hear Josh say, Crap, my battery! And I just... I just knew instantly that he had missed the money shots, and that's always been, yeah, batteries and cards and everything. I'm super paranoid. Like, the night before a big shoot or a big event, like a red flag or whatever, I'll even put my batteries on just to make sure they're charged, charged. Like, yeah, that's the same thing with me, is I make sure my external batteries charge. I got all of my batteries charged. Uh, my, my, my cards are ready to go. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I've learned my lesson, oh, yeah. so this guy's just take it, take it from me, just make sure your, your camera's ready and battery's charged. Photography is definitely, this hobby is definitely a lesson of learning, um, as you know, what I've just recently gone through, so <laughs> definitely not the best. But, oh, I guess, like I said, NetJet's FlexJet, not really keen to get them. At the end of the day, I'll, 
I might take it. If the if the light's just perfect, I'll take it because I am such a sucker for perfect lighting shots, especially that classic BFI angle from the business part. Yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, you I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah, it's just an amazing amazing spot. Well, BFI is an amazing yeah. airport to spot, but yeah, I mean, when the opportunity when the opportunity arises, FlexJet and NetJets, I mean, you know, they make it they make the yeah. money shot sometimes, especially if you like pan or whatever. But hey, you can't pa- like you said, you can't yeah. pass up that sunset background BFI, especially whatever's coming in. You got to take advantage. And of like I said, you in. never know who's on board those airplanes because these are. I mean, if you if you don't know anything about FlexJet or NetJets, they're jets. They're timeshare private jets. So people, usually affluent people, obviously, um, buy into these timeshares and can get a jet on demand wherever they want typically from base airports like Boeing Field. So they can just go wherever around the country they need. So it's it's an alternative to owning your own jet without having to pay somebody to maintain it, crew it, you know, all that stuff. So it's you never know who's going to be on board one of them. Yeah, you're completely, completely right about that. Anyway, uh, what is the rarest aircraft you ever taken a photo of? And you can, and I know you have some great photos of extremely rare aircraft so you can tell about Tell us about uh, both or some of those aircraft. Okay, so unfortunately, I tell all, my, all the listeners out here, I do mean this in the most humble way. Um, but Sophia is up there, of course, having been able to go see Sophia on the ramp in Palmdale and the DC-8 in the hangar were definitely super rare because they're one of the kind. Seeing one of the two flying Avro Lancasters in the world um, and having it been maintained by the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight in which I would say actually seeing the entire entire Battle of Britain Memorial Flight definitely rare because this is a, those are RAF aircraft used in World War II over the skies of Britain that have been restored by the RAF flying in Britain 70 to 80 years later like it is just that the sense of history snapping a picture of those planes is is surreal and i just every time i see them i can't just i stop and ah um (laughs) uh, this is this is tough uh catfish definitely one of my favorite rare aircraft the catfish 757 um for those again who don't know is it's uh it's the first ever 757 rolled off the line so again instant love here uh, and it's got the nose beak of an F-22 and some interesting uh, canards on top of the cockpit. So it is definitely a unique aircraft. I guess that fits it perfectly. Uh, I don't know, man. I- I'm blanking. If you got any that I've taken that you want to remind me. <laughs> um, Sans SP, the B-2 yeah. Nellis. Oh, well, yeah, Sans SP was great last year after the Super Bowl. Thanks to uh, thanks to Spotter and Fort Lauderdale for giving me the heads up on that one. It's just, I mean, again, I'm I'm happily blessed to have been able to see all of these great aircraft, and overall, it's great. But I just enjoy spending time with people I like. Like that's really what I'm going after: spending time with people I like, places I like, doing the thing I love. And it just so happens that uh, most of the time, I've been at the right place in the right time. Seriously, that is one of the best things in spotting the right place at the right time because, man, God knows yeah. what if you screw up, you know, or just not even, yeah. like, paying attention to. And I'm not even saying, like, at the airport. I'm saying 
right place, right time, and even right person. Um, you know, the mutual friend uh, who organized that NASA trip had to back out because of red tape uh, in their Canadian citizenship. And I got the call. I was I got the I got the call to the bullpen. Um, he could have picked any American person, but he picked me. And that was in 2016 when I was just starting with my SLR. So just the idea of that he picked me was great. And then in 2017, again, uh, a, a friend of ours organized the first Mobility Guardian trip uh, to McCord. And I was one of four or five people to get on that media. Because I, I, he just simply asked, do you want to come along? Um, so... Definitely, again, another lesson, little tip is definitely be able to build a network because you never know who's going to need somebody. And if they trust you, it's perfect. That's very, very accurate with that one, uh, especially from that trip, too. I mean, we'll talk about that here in a second. Right place, right time. You can't really go wrong with that one. Uh, so real quick, so you just talked about the Battle of Britain Memorial flight, and I'm assuming you took that at the Riyadh Air Show. So that kind of leads into... Uh, this next question is, what is your favorite event and or uh, location outside of general airport spotting do you enjoy I enjoy photos red flags, of? as I just mentioned earlier. Definitely, definitely the Royal International Air Tattoo. Uh, it has spoiled air shows for me like no other. Uh, the, the idea is that they'll rope off statics and... They are, and British people are typically good at forming queues or lines. So even if there is a way to get on the aircraft, they'll typically form a queue where you can still photograph it without people walking across your thing. Uh, again, statics are roped off. They have a great setup for arrival and departures. They'll let you onto the airfield for arrivals and departures so you can get the jets landing and taking off. And overall, it's just one of the best shows. Obviously, you pay for the quality. As you know, the price is expensive, but you get what you pay for. And hands down, I know it's not easy or feasible for many people because they're either in the U.S. or other parts of the world. But if you can get to England, RAF Fairford, on the you know third weekend of July, I will tell you, hands down, it is going to be the best thing you've ever seen. Um, I was fortunate to go for the RAF 100. And it was just, it, this was the first time and it just blew my mind. Uh, they were very professional, very well organized. It's one of the, I just, I can't say high enough things about it, man. And you've seen the pictures come from it. And it's, they get lots of participation. Like, uh, I guess another unique thing mm -hmm. um, is the Ukrainian Su-27s. Su-27s are now, you know, constant visitors. And it's just so great. And they're very open about the aircraft attending and canceling. And overall, I guess people have American air shows. This is just like, it's ruined American air shows for me. And that's something. <laughs> Ria is definitely on my bucket list to attend. And I know you also got a photo of the Red Arrows with the B the BOAC 7472. Uh, that was same year, 2019 right? for the a BA 100 year anniversary. So... But again, they had they were fully transparent about that. They said, "Hey, on this day, if you want this, this is going to be here." And it's like I said, they're just very transparent about the process. They they tell you who they've invited. They tell you who's accepting an invitation. They'll tell you when they're even talking to countries, and it's just it's just great. 
I love it. It, it. And again, it's just one of those. It's a great trip. It's like a week before my birthday. So it's usually my birthday present to myself. Just, hey, you know, you made it around the sun another year. Go have some fun in England. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be happening. Uh, it's it's wishful thinking at this point, but it I is. think... And I, I do have, sadly, I do have tickets booked. I can, I mean, the only thing I can do is just hope that whatever is happening now gets better and whatever we can do to make it better happens um and i just think that's overall for the air show season regardless of riyadh or u.s air shows or where, wherever you are with air shows is just hopefully by the end of the year we can get back to air shows in some sense of traditional fashion however that may be yeah unfortunately they've already canceled the uh air show is going to be in boise already um eight months out already so that's that's not a good omen for the air show season if they're already doing that in a air show in Idaho. So, but yeah, definitely after hearing that, Riyadh might ruin a lot of U.S. air shows for me because there's been a ton of air shows we've been at and this stuff doesn't show up. Uh, uh, one example is Grand Junction 2019. They said we're going to have F-16 on display, F-35, C on display. A lot of other stuff coming on stat display, and the only stat display for military that turned up was a C-130 and an E-3. Granted, I've only seen uh, a handful of E-3, so the E-3 is really cool, but I was expecting a lot more, and it kind of kind of sucked that nothing else really showed up. And of up. course, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's perfect in the sense. I mean, there are cancellations, last-minute substitutions, but they, they also typically try to get the specially painted aircraft. Like last year... Or not last year, sorry, 2019. I mean, I still feel like I'm in 2020. Um, 2019 was the NATO 50th anniversary. And they were able to get all the specially painted NATO aircraft for a special fly past and or static display. So, again, they, they're very good about talking to the air arms and, and all over the world. And even last, in 2019... Um, they were able to get Romania to send a MiG-21 to do an air show display. I'm pretty sure that's the first time in a long time a MiG-21 has done an, a full air show display in, like, quote-unquote, the Western world in, you know, England or, what, or in, in NATO territory mm -hmm. for quite some time. I, I know that some countries around Europe still have them, but I don't. Uh, I don't think they're going to England to do full displays. So that, That's one of the aircraft that I would really want to see is a MiG-21 do an aerial display. But hey, maybe maybe they'll hang out for a little bit longer and the world will get back to normal but very if, soon. If, 2020 doesn't ha or if 2021 doesn't happen, definitely 2022. I know that it hurts. I know that for this air show specifically, they have come out and said it hurts them immensely that they can't provide a display for people and that they will try their best to make it as best as possible. So, I mean, it, it all just comes down to fate and whatever. But definitely, um, and I guess I should add one more location. Uh, I got, again, while I was on my trip into England last year, it's definitely the mock loop. Uh, it's, not, it's not the same as it was, unfortunately. Um, you can still get aircraft through it, but just the idea of having done both the Jedi part of 1355 and the Mach Loop. Um, I don't know. Something about the Mach Loop just makes it 
that much special because you're in rolling hills, eye level with the aircraft, and there's sheep in the background. <laughs> and uh, what did you get through the Mocklet? Uh, I got a T, uh, RAF T6 Texan and a RAF C-130. So definitely, definitely some good stuff. You still got something through the Mocklips. I mean, like you, you can't complain about anything like that. I'm not like complaining that. at all. That was, that was it's like, that's, yeah. That was some of the best times ever. I mean, again, it's just, I've been fortunate, so. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's kind of move it on. So you already kind of been hinting at the Mach Loop and Riyadh and those amazing adventures. So let's tell some of those other stories of some similar interests I think the listener would uh, enjoy listening listening to. Uh, so I kind of teased it when I mentioned Sophia. Um, in 2016, I was able to go to Na- NASA's Palmdale facility at Plant 42 and the NASA Armstrong Flight Facility on Edwards Air Force Base. And so it was just a media tour, and I got to pretty much go up, take photos of all the aircraft they had lying around, Sophia, the DC-8, G, their Gulfstream 2, F-15, F-18, their uh, drones and everything, and it was just, and we pretty much had unabated access to Edwards after the tour. Like, they escorted us off the NASA facility, and they said, just do the right thing. So I got to also go to the Edwards Flight Test Museum. And wow, that's that's one of the best museums I've been to. Um, see, in 2017, I was able to, again, like I said, tour, mobi- uh, take a media tour of the Mobility, and mobility Guardian exercise in, at JBLM, which is, uh, I, I just call it the red flag of airlift. You've got tons of foreign participants. There was a New Zealand C-130, Korean C-130. There was a C-130 from almost every U.S. Air Force base that operates on some Marines. Just any type of foreign air power you could think. I mean, mostly think of. Uh, there was some couple. There was a Casa from both Brazil and Colombia. There was two A-400s. It was just fantastic. And again, got to walk around and just take some pictures and discuss what was going on with the exercise. And I was able to go back a second year in 2019 with Colin. Um, and to our surprise, we got to, uh, we got to fly an Amready Air Force C-17 and got to be on board when they did an active drop over a drop zone in Washington state. And without a doubt, that was, and we got to go up to the cockpit while in flight before we entered the drop zone and got to just look around. And without a doubt, that is probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever done because just the idea of like Colin and I being able to fly on the C 17, let alone M Ready Air Force C 17, like that was just, that blew my mind. Um, and Colin hinted at a Nellis story. So one time, I was at Red Flag, I think it was 17-3 in the summer in July. And we were sitting at the end of the runway waiting for departures. Um, and all of a sudden we hear on the radio, this is Tiger 8-1 heavy, uh, you know, on initial at apex for runway uh, 2-1. And can you verify the cables are down? I'm like, okay, cool. Like there had been B-1s at this flag so we just the people I was with just assumed that there was a uh, B1 coming in 
because one of the jets had broke. <laughs> my friend holds out his lens, zooms in because the lights finally appeared. He goes, that's a effing B2. And let me tell you, Colin, you know that drive from Cheyenne to Speedway and how it's all rights. So it was, it's like the quicker one. It felt like an eternity. We missed mm-hmm. the first one, but there were two more that eventually called in. And I was able, and it was at perfect sunset. I got golden light against the Nellis Mountains. Without a doubt, again, that is probably my favorite picture ever taken. The B2 and Golden Sunset. On sunset. I forget which spirit it is. <laughs> but just, again, right place, right time. And I, I guess I can think because we were waiting for an E8 to leave, you know, J-Stars. So you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely take the B2 over the J-Stars. You know, the J-Stars is like a legitimate 707. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Uh, that's I seen the B two photo. I don't think I've I, I love a photo any more than yours. I know. Uh, that is that one, but I was not there for that. So this kind of this making sure that you guys know it. I wasn't present for that for that shot. You know a lot of that that stuff. I mean the Sophia stuff. That's that's amazing. I almost had the opportunity in two thousand twelve at NASA Ames at Moffett Field to see Sophia when she was still out there. Unfortunately, we didn't get to go out there and see her. Mobility Guardian 2019 was amazing in every single aspect. That was just a great day. Uh, met, met a lot of great people, did a lot of media. Uh, really cool stuff when he came out. It wasn't just all about flying into C-17. It was a lot of other cool stuff that we had to do. Uh, we had a really cool interview with a lot of... Uh, the commanding officers for a lot of observing countries and participating countries. Um, that was really, really cool to be a part of. And uh, we got to do the same with the C5, a, um, a medevac thing for a C5. So that was really cool to be a part of as well. But it wasn't all about flying the C17, like I said. There's a lot of cool stuff that we got to do and all that for that. But And it was, it was, it was greatly organized. I cannot thank our friend Isaac Alexander enough. Like, for real, he did he did all of the footwork he just said like I, you can attest this he simply just said hey are you free this day give me this information and just meet me at this gate at this time i just I, again i cannot thank him enough i cannot uh, honestly i can't if with the friends listening and people listening i cannot thank you enough if you've met me and we've had a spotting experience even if it was just sitting at bfi talking uh, I really do appreciate all the connections I've made with this, and especially like listening to Chris uh, Chris Cagle's episode and Dave Honan's episode, and just listening to the impacts I've made on their spotting kind of stories. And yes, I will say that that story in the Chris Cagle episode, hundred percent facts. I did legitimately tell Colin to tell the front desk I had medication in the room. That was that is not a lie. I will, I'll swear it to the day I die. That was a hundred percent facts. That just shows you how crazy that trip was. It's, it's still a blur in my mind. Also, like I mentioned, Josh Kaiser. He's a he's become one of my best spotting friends. Obviously, Colin is too. But Josh credits me for getting him interested in aviation photography because we met at the Museum of Flight and I was kind of known as the person to take picture of planes and he was too. And we just eventually met and. It, this bond immediately formed. So again, you never know who you're going to run into or 
what kind of connections you're going to make or what kind of impact you're going to have. And it's just great because like listening to these stories is like, it gives me a sense of pride and it also like, it allows me to relive these stories through the perspective. And again, loved helping Chris get the Ukrainian aisle 76. I can't, I still can't believe he got it. I, I simply was at work one day, launched flight radar and saw an aisle 76 on approach to, uh, to Salt Lake City International and just sent, sent him a heads up. So all you have to do is send people a heads up. I mean, we're about to wrap things up, so I yeah. mean, hopefully I have another couple things left for that. But, uh, but yeah, man, uh, if you have any tips, words of encouragement, or anything else for the listener out there, man, uh, send it. For me, definitely, like I said, I cannot stress enough, know your equipment. If you're looking at buying new equipment, make sure it fits you well. Not just your budget, but it fits in your hands. You, you feel comfortable holding it because these are multi-thousand dollar investments this this isn't i mean um you know i didn't get my first slr until i was 16 had my own job um definitely be humble i i, I know it sounds like i'm not and i tr i know i'm not sometimes but i really do say be humble because for me as a spotter and having gone all over the world literally in meeting people is don't come off as cocky because when you're meeting people you never know who you're meeting. You never know what kind of opportunities they may give you. So if you just are nice and humble and pleasant with people, you never know where that could take you. Learn from your mistakes. Definitely the good one. <laughs> I know I'm talking a lot, but I, this is just all I've learned in the 12 plus years I've spotted. Uh, definitely practice, 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 practice. You never know what might come in. And as I've evidenced, like, if right place right time you just got to make sure you're at the right place at right time and practice enough that you're comfortable with the shots and don't be afraid to get creative and always love your shots it may look bad but you never know art art is subjective to the viewer but it's not subjective to the creator it's your piece of art it's your work definitely enjoy it and again i guess on the enjoyment fact just go out and have fun it's not a competition. It doesn't matter. Like, Colin's got more followers than me on Instagram, but, I mean, the quality of experiences I've had are just the same as his. And they're just great. I love it. So, this is a great hobby. Just tr please don't ruin it for people. And definitely, definitely, when getting back to the Port of Seattle discussion, definitely follow the rules and regulations of your airport. Know where to spot and try and build bridges, not burn bridges with the airport authorities. Ultimately, they're the ones who can make this hobby heaven or hell for either people. You said that right, and you know, that's a lot of pe people are afraid to ask and the people are afraid that they're gonna get said no to, but at the end of the day, if you, the worst they can say is no, and then you just have to try and find somewhere else to go. And um, I mean, people ruin, a lot of stuff for other people yeah. and i mean seriously just you need to like i can't stress that enough the other thing i can't stress too is you said that really well is you know it's not all about likes and followers and stuff like that you know main you know a lot of humility is being lost right now and and this sort of stuff yeah. i mean you know people aren't being nice to one another and just you know, yeah. not being there trying to help out one another and stuff like that and it really is it is kind of sad that humility is, is, is dying and it, it's kind of 
you know, it just sucks. But you're all, you're so right. Just be nice to people because you don't you, you don't know who might give you opportunities like like you've had and other people like that. You know, may may, may give you. I mean, just just be a nice, kind person, and you know how and just, you know say thank you and your your please and thank yous, and you know yeah. just yeah. And then, like you said, know your rules, know the regulations. I mean. You know, don't go to an airport where it's knowingly you can't really take a lot of good photographs from them, then use another location, screw it up for everybody else, and it has happened. I mean, there are plenty of cases, JFK, um, uh, the parking garage in San Francisco, you know, yeah. people don't uh, play by that, and all of a sudden, bam. All it takes is one person to ruin it for the rest, and it's it's super, as someone who's had it happen, it's super infuriating. You Even if you know the person, it's just even worse. But it's just super infuriating, and like you said, the worst. Always ask. Like that's that's the biggest thing I've I've learned. Always ask. The worst anybody can say is no. The worst. I mean, yeah, it may it may suck, it may sting, but that's just part of life. Again, the worst people can say is no. Like even if they laugh in your face and say no, it's still like, at least you asked. Um, I'm gonna pull a, a, a you know a typical millennial quote but i do truly believe this is so true as the great wayne gretzky said you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take of course that's quoted by the office so i don't know if it's true or not i've tried looking it up but it's so true though that the statement itself is you never will be able to achieve these shots if you don't take them yeah and so it i just i like i said i can't express how much joy i've had with all my friends and being able to network and like even know people from around the world i've got friends on practically six out of or five out of seven continents in the world right now and that's just from spotting and it's just it, it's it's a bigger community than most people think but yeah i mean it's just great overall just go out and have fun like that at the end of the day that's what all of us do this and i will say especially in times of unrest around the world the end of the day we still get along when it comes to spotting i cannot agree with you more that plane spotting is a global thing and it really does bring a lot of people together and that's why i am trying to get a lot of people from around the globe on the podcast so we can share everybody's stories and you know make the plane spotting community well known and just try and be a lot kinder to each other but anyway dude that was some great words of encouragement and some great tips for everybody out there. I think you you hit a lot of nails on the heads with that one. Uh, but kind of the last couple things, dude, is where can people find your work? Uh, we already know about your Activision account, so we could we could talk about that one more time. But like, what's your like you upload? I know you upload to airliner chef photos, but what's your Instagram? Do you have a Twitter, Facebook, whatever? Uh, so I I'm on Facebook. Uh, Jordan J O R D A N. Aaron's A-R-E-N-S. You can send me a friend request. I'll probably accept it. I'm on Activision uh, if you want to play Call of Duty. Speedbird, as in the British Airways call sign, 2706. Instagram is J-R-A-R-E-N-S 2706. Again, follow me, public account. I love, you know, even if you just want to follow and not like, I don't care. I upload to airliners and jet photos um, under my name. And I have a Flickr. Uh, I don't know the actual web address, but I'm sure if you just looked up my name, it would be there. But I believe it's also linked in my Facebook page. I run a Facebook page, Jet-A Aviation Photography. There are two, 
Mine is the one with a more creative logo. I, I, I'm not trying to slander the other guy, but his is a, like a military patch. Mine is just a creative, colorful logo. So please, if you want to, follow. I try and get to pictures. Um, I'm a busy person, though. Um, I'm in school. I work. I just had hard drive issues. So I'm kind of a little bit more behind the eight ball than I normally am. But I do love posting every once in a while, especially in the mood I'm in with all this news and stuff. Uh, make sure to go him a follow because you won't be disappointed about the stuff that you see. Uh, we, he has some amazing shots and then you, you're going to be able to see some of the stuff that uh, we've done together, our, our uh, North Carolina trips and our red flag trips and just some general Seattle time. Cause when I go up to Seattle, not going to lie, he's my Uber driver the majority of the time. And I'm, I'm happy being that that's actually how our relate our friendship started. Yeah, it was after uh, a, an employer event up there. I had a couple hours and went to go to SeaTac. I was, that was my first time really spotting SeaTac. Also, I know that was, that was a really that was a fun that's a fun evening. Don't forget, we also got to go out and check out the Ospreys at BFI too. That's true. We can, I completely forgot about that one. That was I also, know <laughs> that was back back when Clay Lacey was there and, and that oh, ramp was gosh, cool. Yeah. Don't forget also you flew you flew up here. You mentioned seven four seven stuff. With Jeremy, you flew up here and got to see Jeremy arrive at Everett and Seattle, Tacoma. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, a, a On the quick... last Delta 744. Yeah, that uh, it came from Detroit. They had all like like special passengers and media and stuff on there. Yeah, Jeremy Dwyer Lindgren, uh, uh, last episode or two episodes ago, guest. He uh, he came in on the 747 and he, they landed it at Payne Field. It returned home. It returned home to the factory one last time. They all got off, got busted to the factory, and it was raining like a. It was raining cats and dogs out there that day. And yeah, another little thing is, if you ever go back to the archives, Boeing has a live had a live Facebook kind of thing going. They started their live feed, and I looked at one of the guys, and I was smiling. Then he laughed and had to redo it over again because <laughs> because I screwed them up. But uh, a lot of people up there on the Astro deck for that arrival. Um, that was so cool to see. And then we hustled back down to Seattle. We had another spare seven four seven coming because I had to have another one just in case. So we actually got two Delta seven four sevens that day. Yep. And right, and the other plane departed Everett. And went straight to Seattle. We thought they're going to go to do a little, you know, flight around the peninsula and that sort of stuff. But no, it went direct from Payne to Seattle. And I remember one of the guys on there asked one of the flight attendants, "So do I get miles for this flight? <laughs> <laughs> do I get my sixty-seven yeah. miles or whatever it was?" Um, but it was that was a great day. Um, got to see the, my first A three fifty that day, I believe. Uh, I believe so. And uh, then I almost didn't make it home that night. Yeah. As a non-riff, that was a day. That was a day from from hell. But I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go into the details of that. All I know is, as I barely made it on a flight home that night, which you'll see pictures if you follow me on social media. I was very fortunate that Delta, my employer, allowed me to fly the Seattle to Atlanta leg the very next morning. So I don't think you realize how chaotic of a day that that those two days were as well. Waking up at the crack of dawn both days and not getting home until well after dark was, it was something special. And for someone who had only been there about a year and a handful of months with Delta, it was just amazing. And I cherish it because, again, growing up, United Flight Benefits, one of my favorite memories is flying the United 747 in Battleship Gray from L.A., Denver, Chicago, you know, to L.A. or back or whatever. It was just 
it was a great ceremonial end. Absolutely. Anyway, also real quick before we close it out, you also did a Seattle or LAX to Honolulu or Honolulu to LAX on this last 747 for Delta through Honolulu. Yes, uh, last Honolulu LAX leg ever for that for Delta 747. So the 747, even though I didn't mention it was my favorite aircraft, it still holds with every as with everybody holds a very near and dear place in my heart and i always love it i i agree don't get to see them a lot but hey when the opportunity rises can't pass that down anyway jordan thank you so much for coming on the show i really do appreciate it and um guys you all know the drill out there i have to say it every single time because you know if you have any profiles or people that you think should come on the show send me a direct message on twitter boi spotter on instagram at boi spotter send us a facebook message and check our Facebook page out, The Aviation Spotters Podcast. We're going to have YouTube up very soon. I am working on it. It's not easy to do, but we're going to get YouTube up and running so we're able to see and subscribe to YouTube. Um, and as always, any questions or uh, recommendations for the show, send an email, askspotterspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, anywhere, Jordan, anything to, uh, anything to add before I wrap it up here? Do what you do. What makes you happy, man? I don't. I don't know what else. I. I feel like I've spilled all the things I've learned, but definitely one more thing is be willing to learn and accept criticism. Definitely that one. Exactly. And thank you, and thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate this podcast and the format that you've done it. It's great, and I. I do really like seeing this be successful for you. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And you hit the nail on the head. Be ready to learn and be ready to take constructive criticism. That's extremely well said. But anyway, guys, I have a very special treat for you next episode. Uh, it will be the biggest guest to date that'll be on this show. I'm not going to say who it is yet. But guys, seriously, make sure and tune in for the episode after this one. You're not going to be disappointed. So until then, keep those batteries charged, those cameras ready, and we'll catch you next time here on another episode of the Aviation Spotters Podcast. Mm -hmm.